Praise the Lord. Let's give Brother Jesse a nice hand for leading that for us. Praise the Lord. So grateful that we could be gathered together again tonight. First of all, before I start answering questions, I want to apologize to you that it's been a little while before I've been able to, uh, to do them. We scheduled last Thursday, as I mentioned it, and uh, uh, couldn't do it. We scheduled, of course, before. And some of these questions I've had for a month, maybe Brother Rob, some of the ones you sent to me, maybe six weeks. So I appreciate you being patient with me. Um, but, but the ones I've got so far, we'll probably be into the third year of the millennium. <laughs> Believe me, I've got a bunch of them. But I've enjoyed studying them. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a blessing to you. There's a young brother from our church here that had uh, several questions. And uh, his mom and dad asked Carol and I if we would come over one night and eat supper with them and um, help him with those questions. And we did that. And uh, I asked him if it would be all right if I would add those questions also to the uh, questions that we have. I'll not tell you who it is, and I told him that I wouldn't. So um, with what was turned into Brother Rob and Brother Joe and the ones that were also emailed to me, uh, plus those, we've got a bunch. But I've really enjoyed studying them, and I just trust it'll be a, a blessing. Let's just pray together before we uh, look into these questions. Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor that we would be able to be gathered here tonight. I look out upon this group of young people and my heart just jumps for joy. Thinking, Lord, they could be out drinking, running around, partying, doing all kinds of different things. But they wanted to come to church again tonight and they were just here last night. They had questions on their hearts. and Maybe some of them didn't ask the question, but... I just trust that as I answer the questions for those who did ask it, there will be others that will be benefited and blessed by it. Not only in the visible audience, but also those that will go back and stream. And I know the ones that we had before, I heard from people all over the world that were so benefited and blessed by these questions. We thank you, Lord, that we have people that desire to know what's right, what's wrong, how can I please the Lord? How can I serve him better? Lord Jesus, you've told us, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Help us tonight. Help me, Lord, to get out of the way. Lord God, help me that I wouldn't say anything wrong. Help me that I would never, ever, Lord, not just tonight, but ever in my life, ever say anything that would lead anyone astray. It's my desire, Father, to be a faithful and true shepherd. Help me, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank the Lord. Certainly appreciate each of you for coming tonight. So just remember me in prayer. Uh, you know, I, I, I so appreciate uh, Brother Branham taking questions and answers because he was actually the first preacher of all the preachers that I knew in Pentecost and the different churches that I'd been into. I'd never heard or seen of a preacher that actually did question and answers. And I thought it was kind of tricky, you know, in one way doing question and answers. And I've done them in different places around the world. And believe me, it can be tricky, especially if you just walk up on the platform and they're laying there. I don't like them that way. I like to have scriptures and things to be able to, um, you know, answer it well. 
But what I so appreciate about uh, the questions and answers that the prophet did was that the message itself, him preaching, is God using him to speak to us. Question and answers are things that maybe the people didn't understand or something that Brother Branham, because of you know, all the stuff that he was trying to cover, just left it out. You know as well as I do, no matter how long a man's been preaching, how great of a speaker that he is. He's not going to be able to answer every question. Sometimes you'll preach a sermon and you'll leave spots out. You don't intend to, but you just can't cover it all. So sometimes the questions will help be able to clarify something. And for myself, I've got so many things, even dealings with doctrines, out of the question and answers that just clarifies it so much. And part of these are, are going to be um, uh, in the same way as we go to looking at them. But the first one that I, I mentioned to you last night that I wanted to uh, deal with tonight, which is why that I spoke in the direction that I did. And the question is, how do I know that I have the Holy Ghost? Now, truly, that's one of the greatest questions that all of us can have at that stage in our spiritual walk with God. After that is settled for an individual, then it won't have as much significance as it did before they got the assurance. And we believe that this message not only comes to uh, restore our faith back to the original fathers, but it comes to give us an assurance to where we can have a confidence down inside of us. Because after all, if we come to church, if we sing, if we do all kinds of things, we play music, we're kind to people, and we do lots of good things like that, good deeds, and we still miss the Holy Ghost, what good has it done us? So if we went to church every day of our life, so to be able to know and be sure that we have the Holy Ghost, that is a very great thing. And it's not just young people that have those questions. I have to answer that many times in my office dealing with uh, maybe some of your fathers and mothers, even some of your grandfathers and grandmothers. And I've been asked that question around the world because it's something that people want to know and to make sure. Because in reality, with your walk before God, what is the greatest and foremost question that you'd be able to have? To know that you have in your heart that ticket, as it was, that you are going in the rapture. Is there any greater thing? Is there any greater question that can be asked? Once you have that assurance, even in time, you will still wonder. I hear preachers preach sermons, and as long as I believe I've had the Holy Ghost, I still will say, Lord, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure everything is okay. Lord, maybe I just need a refilling. Any of y'all ever done that? Because you just feel like you just want to make sure that everything is all right between you and God. Now, I didn't get to this uh, last night because I ran out of time. But there's a lot of things that the Holy Ghost is. Um, St. John 14, 16, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So this verse within itself proves to us that a sinner coming out of one of these chairs here, coming up to give his heart to God, cannot receive the Holy Ghost, and you know, according to what many denominational people believe, that whenever you get forgiveness of your sins, you get it all in one lump sum. Not according to Jesus, you can't. A sinner cannot receive the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. He can forget, receive forgiveness of his sins and receive pardon. But this is another stage, and Jesus calls this in verse 17, the Spirit of truth. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because there's a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. 
And we don't just want the truth. We want the spirit of truth that goes with it. Because the truth can be attained by anybody that would just simply take the Bible or take a message book or take a message tape and they'd say, well, I've got the truth. But if you don't have the spirit of truth, you won't be able to stay in that truth. And it's the same way with error and the spirit of error. Probably every one of us here tonight are believing things that are wrong. We just don't know it yet. But if the word shows us something tonight and speaks to us and we'll say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I I was believing that wrong. Lord, I am so sorry. Well, that didn't mean you had the spirit of error. That just means it hadn't been shown to you. But people who have the spirit of error, when you show them the truth, they still will not accept the truth. So it's not that they're looking at error at face value and truth at face value, but what's behind it is a spirit which is motivating them. And believe me, in all my years of ministry, I've dealt with many people that are in the spirit of error. You can send them page after page of scriptures and quotes, and they will not even acknowledge them to be the truth. I did that not long ago to a message preacher. I sent him page after page after page after page of scriptures and quotes. He never even acknowledged them to be the truth. So I realized, I thought, well, maybe the man is just an error, you know, and what he's doing, his standing on this certain, certain subject and all that. I thought maybe he's just, he don't know any better. So I thought, well, I figured the best thing to do is send him the truth and see what his reaction is. Now, anybody with the Holy Ghost will always acknowledge the word to be right and themselves to be wrong. Now, remember, we're answering this question. How do I know I have the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost will never, in us, will never put our feelings, our opinion, or mama or daddy or anyone else above the Word of God. And the young people said, because why? The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And we've all had to come to that spot. And no doubt we'll continue to do so. And this is why we know we do have the Holy Ghost is because the spirit in us will always say amen to the word and it'll say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, I'm sorry. But if we have the truth at face value, but in our hearts we have the spirit of error, then we will take reasoning. We will take, well, yeah, yeah, but, but, but you know, you know, well, you know, you know how it is, you know. Well, see, that person is motivated by the spirit of error. Now, another thing I always go by, and uh, this is just a little preacher insight. Whenever I'm dealing with somebody and um, I give them something in the word and uh, they always come back, I give them something else, they always come back with something else, I give them something, they always come back. And I realize by knowing that individual that they're really not that smart. And I know that they really don't understand the word that well to be able to produce that type of argument. I realize I'm dealing with a person under the influence of a demon. And that demon is actually anointing them and giving them the thoughts in their mind because they're under the spirit of error. Now, if they were just believing error and they had a sincere heart and they wanted to be true and right before God, then they would acknowledge that, hey, brother, I hadn't seen that before. Thank you so much for sending me that. Oh, pray for me, pray for me. That's a person with a sincere heart and a person also that has the spirit of truth on them. A person that wants to be right 
and they want to be able to be corrected so the truth can correct them. So notice what Jesus said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Now watch this excerpt into the Godhead because you'll never be able to really receive the Holy Ghost and be able to see your position of who you are until the mystery of the Godhead becomes more open to you. Now why didn't Jesus just come right out and say it? It's not written that way. It's written for the initiated, those that are baptized into the kingdom of God to be able to understand it. Notice what he says. He said, the world cannot receive it because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about himself in another form in another form. So as I said last night, it's the part of God that can be divided. How many has God in your heart tonight? You have him in one form or another, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, there's no way in the world we have the body of Jesus and our, and our human body, of course, but it is that portion of the Spirit of God. So Jesus, as the humanity of God, did not come back on the day of Pentecost, but he come back in the form of the Son of God, which is Holy Spirit which could be divided. Again, in St. John 15, 26. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Now notice what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. St. John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, Jesus just keeps saying it over and over again that one thing that the Holy Ghost is, he's an advocate, he's a paracletos, one called alongside to help us to act as your lawyer. He is a rest, he is a comforter, he is a healer, he's our righteousness. But he is the spirit of truth. And you know, it's one thing that I've found about real genuine Christians around the message. No matter how long they've been around, how many tapes they've listened to, and how many years that they've been in the message, they always have a teachable spirit, a spirit to where that they they come to the house of God and they don't come with a know-it-all attitude. There's one particular man that I know that lives up up in Indiana and uh, lives, lives around the tabernacle area there. And he was talking to a friend of mine several years ago and I was going up there to preach and he said, why don't you come and hear this brother? He, he, he said, that brother, I'll tell you what, he'll just be a blessing to you. And this man didn't believe in going to church. He, of course, he didn't believe in preachers. And he said, I want you to hand me my Hebrews book. I want you to hand me my seals book. So his wife hands him his book. He said, I want you to tell me any preacher that can tell me anything in this book that I don't know. Well, the truth of it was, he didn't know hardly nothing at all. Why? That attitude. You see, he didn't have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. You imagine Brother Branham said, every time he would open his Bible and read from his Bible, he would find something in there that he hadn't read before. (laughs) You imagine him, whenever he's preaching the seals, And he said, I would have made a horrible mistake today. Because you know what he was fixing to do? He was fixing to call that white horse rider what he had called him for years, the Lord Jesus. 
Brother Branham, for years and years, and whenever he'd read that from the book of Revelation, whenever John saw that white horse rider come, conquering and to conquer, and he called that white horse rider the Lord Jesus. You imagine how he must have felt, Brother Rob, that day when the angel of God come into his room and said, you've been wrong all these years. Well, if he gets up and says that, says that, isn't that going to be embarrassing? Now, aren't people going to take that tape where he preached mighty conquer in 57, mighty conquer in 58, mighty conquer again in 60? Aren't they going to take that and compare it? Now, look, you said here and you said there, and now you're saying you're wrong. But you see, he had the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost could be able to say, you're wrong. And he would be able to stand up and say, I was wrong. How many can do that here tonight? Okay, I'm stopping right now. I'm making an altar call. <laughs> you see, the spirit of truth in every one of us knows that we've always got more room to grow. Do you, Brother Donnie? Are you kidding me? The more I study and the more I look into this word, the more I realize how much I don't know. Not how much I do. What I brought to you there last night about the angels of God and them opening up and peering into that realm, I was studying that when I was up in Virginia there in a hotel last week. I just about exploded all over that hotel room. I thought, how many times have I read that in the Bible? You see, as long as we have the Holy Ghost in us, then there's an avenue which is constantly open. This is why Jesus uses these words, of course. Howbeit, when either spirit of truth has come, he will guide you unto all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So notice what the Holy Ghost is doing. Constantly updating where you are. Now, he's not just going to show you things that have been but things that are to be. So as the Spirit of God will speak through the ministers in this day, get ready for this, get ready for that, pray, you know, trim your lamps, all that. A child of God with the Holy Ghost, they hear that, they say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to with all of my heart. Why? They have the Spirit of truth in them. And that Spirit in them, they hear a man of God preach that, they say, that's the truth. That's nothing but the truth. I need to tighten up the armor a little bit. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible. I need to do this and this and this. Why? The spirit of truth in them says amen to what they're hearing preached. Notice in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, John gives us another little insight into how that we know when we pass from death unto life. We know that we have passed from death unto life because... We love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now, is there one evidence? Now, of course, me coming from the Pentecostal background, and I was taught for many, many years and actually preached it that way, that speaking in tongues was the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And that's why the Pentecostals would so emphasize it, even though I could not explain how some of those people that spoke in tongues and shouted and run and danced and jumped and everything else, and yet six months they'd be backslid, drinking, smoking, running around. I had no explanation for that. How could God ever seal them and yet they've been able to do such a thing? 
But whenever you look and see, for us, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. Because they say, well, if it was just one evidence, what if I just, if I, you know, if I shake my head a certain way, everybody that shakes your head like this has got the Holy Ghost. Well, you think the devil can't do that too? Sure he could. So it's a multiplicity of many things that the Spirit of God will do out of our lives. That includes love. That includes the fruits of the Spirit. That includes obedience to words that you don't even know yet. But when the Spirit of God will bring it to you, the Holy Spirit in you will quicken your life to match that word. But John says, we know then that we pass. Now, it's not, I'm hoping. Well, I'm really hoping that, that, that I have. No, no. We can absolutely know that we have passed from death unto life. And then John, remember the, the apostle of love, and he said, how be it? Or rather, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now, remember, that's not just from our mouth, but that's indeed also. And again, 1 John 4, 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is, notice, not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there were already people in this first church age, and actually some of them were preachers, and they were already preaching things that was contrary to the word. And John identifies them. Diotrephes, of course, is mentioned here in this, this epistle of John. Diotrephes was a rich businessman. And he, John said that, he writes about him, calls his name, and said that we, we would have come to him, but Diotrephes wouldn't let us. Uh, you imagine, how in the world would them people, them saints of God, ever allowed a businessman to keep an apostle like John from coming to the church and preaching? I've never understood that to save my life. You think that I had a revolt and said, Diotrephes, sit down and shut up? Who do you think you are? You're going to keep the great apostle John, and by this time he's the only apostle left. All the rest of them are done dead. But this man had such a hold on the congregation that he had more persuasion than what the apostle John did. So he saw John again identifies and says, listen, you want to know if you've got the spirit of truth? If you've got the spirit of truth, you will hear us. And if you've got the spirit of error, you won't. Pretty good identification, is it not? Well, we go on the same way then and say, in this day, if God has sent us a prophet, and if people have the spirit of truth, they will hear what he's got to say. If they have the spirit of error, they won't. Now, watch. Brother Random, of course, deals with it in many different sermons, and I'm sure many of you have read it or listened to the tapes. But in Broken Sisters, he says, in St. John 14, Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, he will reveal these things to you that I've taught you and show you things to come. There is the genuine evidence of the Holy Ghost. He has never told me anything wrong yet. Now notice how he explains this. It is the evidence of the Holy Ghost is he who can believe the word. You can receive it because Jesus never said 
when the Holy Ghost has come, you'll speak with tongues. He never said the Holy Ghost come, you do any of those things. But he said he will take these things of mine and show them to you and will show you things that is to come. There is the genuine evidence of the Holy Ghost according to Jesus himself. So all these sensations and things that people have and still live on. Now we believe in emotion, don't we? We believe the presence of God can come. My goodness, I'll tell you, it was here so great last night, I staggered under the presence of God. My fingers started going numb, the anointing coming out of me as I was ministering to the people of God. Yeah, does it come with feelings? Yes. Does it come with emotions? It does, but them emotions ain't God. All kinds of people have emotions. You ever get scared? Somebody just stand out from a corner and say, boo! And it just scare you? You ever had cold chills to run up your spine? Does that mean there's a Holy Ghost chill? No, it was your fear. You were traumatized and you feel like smacking them in the face. <laughs> but does it come with that? Yes, but that's not the Holy Ghost itself. Notice in question answer 64, there's one evidence of the Holy Spirit that I know of, and that is a genuine faith. Now remember, there can be a make-believe faith. That's what Judas said. Judas healed the sick, preached, cast out devils. He was in the 70 that was sent out in Matthew 10. We don't know who his buddy was, but there was somebody went with Judas and Judas was not the type of preacher that had no signs. He had signs following his ministry. So he would cast out devils, lay hands on the sick and then recover. No doubt Judas was a mighty preacher. Prophet tells us in the church age book, his ministry was not inferior to any of the arrest apostles. And you've heard me preach it many of you since you was a young, young children. But Judas was not the type of guy that was all the time flirting with the women. And he was all the time sneaking around drinking, or as we'd say, smoking, and everybody knew, man, that guy, you know, I ain't got no confidence in him. But when Jesus sat at the communion table and said, one of you's gonna betray me, they questioned themselves before they questioned him. Now, you know, if this guy was obvious, everybody would say, Jesus said, one, he was going to betray me. They said, Judas, 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 Judas. Everybody would have known who it was. But he was so close to them, they didn't even know it. As a matter of fact, they never sat the way we do and eat, but they laid reclined on a divan, as it's called. So they would have laid kind of sideways. John was laying on one side of Jesus. Judas was laying on the other. Whenever the apostles would have walked in and the Lord Jesus would have told them where to sit and they looked to see where Judas was, the way they would have looked at the right-hand position, they would have had it in their mind, Judas is the next leader. Little did they know he was the betrayer. But looking at signs, just like the rest of them. Wonders, just like the rest of them. Miracles, just like the rest of them. That's why we cannot go by signs alone. 
right? Now, we believe in signs. Thank God. God performed some here last night. God did some great things right here among us. But that within itself is not the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Now, notice he says, it is a genuine faith in the promised word of the hour. So it's not enough just to preach Noah's message. It's not enough to preach the law. It's not enough just to preach about the day of Pentecost. But we've got to have the message of this hour. Now those Jews come and they had more religion than the disciples had. They were better trained men in the scriptures than the disciples were. Because they were fishermen, tax collectors, and so forth. And they had real faith and genuine faith in what they were doing. Now listen how close those men were. These men, these scribes, Pharisees, Essenes, Sadducees, all they were, they had genuine faith, not a make-believe faith, a genuine faith in what they were doing, and they were as sincere as they could be. But the word of the hour made flesh, and they said, this man's a Beelzebub. So it wasn't that you could ever condemn them on the law. They knew that law so well. My, my, they knew that law and they believed that law. But it was the word of the hour that proved who they were. Just like it'll prove us. Notice this. Who do you say this is? Evidence of the Holy Ghost is believing his word. Always been in every age, if you can receive the word. Those priests had Jesus beat a million miles when it come to fruits of the Spirit. Now you imagine they were so kind and so loving and so gentle. Boy, that's a kind of preacher love. That's what the Laodicean age loved, don't it? They want a guy that just say, how's everybody doing tonight? Now little darlings, y'all are just so sweet. Every one of you is just as perfect as you can be. Why, Jesus knows you can't live right. Well, how many of y'all sinned today? Well, that's all right, honey. I have too. You know, you drunk a little bit. Well, I have too. That's the kind of preacher they want. Y'all don't want that kind, do you? Brother Andrew Spencer was telling me the other day of a, of a guy that they was talking about or a guy that had told them and said, yeah, I said, I reckon we're going to have to get rid of our, our pastor. He said, oh, really? He said, yeah, yeah, Baptist church. He said, yeah, we're going to get, gonna have to get rid of him. He said, well, what in the world's going on? He said, he said, every social event that we have, whether it's a baby shower or a wedding shower, whatever it is, he's getting where every time he comes, he shows up drunk. Can you imagine a pastor showing up drunk? Is that what religion has come to? Is that what it's come to? That the preachers, <laughs> oh God, help us. And yet they would ridicule us. Well, don't sit there and look at me funny. I may not show up drunk, but I do leave drunk sometimes. <laughs> I'm hoping some of you all do as well but drunk on the Holy Ghost. Is that right? But notice when it would come to being meek and nice and oh, so gentle and just, you know, Jesus was sort of a rough kind of guy. You imagine John the Baptist being the pastor of Word of Life Church. Oh, John, come out of that door over there. 
with camel hair on him, had a little bit of honey on his, on his mouth where he hadn't used his napkin, wasn't a very clean sort of a guy, ate locusts for supper and wild honey, come out of there like a blazing fire and said, bring forth fruits for repentance. You gotta repent and get right with God. Y'all think I'm hard? I'm like a boy scout compared to John the Baptist. And then you imagine them other guys, oh, children, come, come to Papa. Oh, you went over and heard that old rough guy, didn't you? Yeah, I did hurt my feelings so bad. Oh, come here, honey, come here. Then Jesus comes on the scene. He said, you generation of snakes. Oh, my goodness. St. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. And you know who he was saying that to? Preachers. Wow. So you imagine the next Sunday they'd get a, well, children, I know how y'all feel. Because I went to one of them meetings too. And he called me a snake. Well, how could that be a man of God? That ain't love. They didn't know love, did they? They didn't know love. Now notice, Jesus, he said, when it comes to fruits of the Spirit, gentle, peaceful, meek, lowly, he tore up churches, kicked them over, tore the people out, called them snakes in the grass, but he was that word. He was that word. That's it. Believe God. God is the word. So what is then the evidence? How can you know? How can I know? But I have the Holy Ghost. I will say amen to every word. Now, it's easy for us to say amen. Oh, I believe every word. Well, what you should say is, I can say amen to every word that I know. But no doubt there's a lot of them you ain't heard yet. Now, maybe you've complied to everything that you've heard, but there might be a sermon Sunday or maybe even here tonight, you know, and this question answers, that you'll hear something, oh, my goodness, it'll rub you so raw. And it'll just, man, I didn't know the Bible said that. I didn't know the prophet said that. Oh my, boy, that really gets right down where I live. What am I going to do? Well, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you'll line up and you'll say, thank you, Lord, for sending me the truth. Now, that don't mean that it won't be a battle for you. It will be a battle, but with what? This right here. But the Holy Ghost in you, the spirit of truth, will want to bring your body subject to the Word. Is that right? Notice again, this day the Scripture is fulfilled. The Holy Ghost is the Word of God in you that identifies itself by accepting the Word. So the Holy Ghost then is the Word of God in you. So then how could the Holy Ghost in you Read something out of the Bible or the message of the hour and say, I just don't believe that. Well, I, I, I just don't take that. We don't believe that at our church. Well, we only take what the prophet said when it's thus saith the Lord. Well, I, I, that, that was before the seals. Well, so was the whole New Testament. You're going to throw that away. <laughs> but notice the Holy Ghost is the word of God in you that identifies itself by accepting the word. Outside of that, it can't be the Holy Ghost. If it says it's the Holy Spirit and denies, how many? One word of that Bible. It cannot be the Holy Spirit. 
That's the evidence whether you believe or not. Think in man's filter. Now, if you've got the evidence of the Holy Ghost, a holy man or a holy woman's taste, they want to live. They've got eternal life because this word is quickened to them. Now, here he's preaching on the thinking man's filter, and he's going back to the desire inside of our soul. But, Brother Donnie, will I make mistakes? You sure will. Will I fall short of the glory of God? You sure will. Does that mean I don't have the Holy Ghost? It sure don't. Well, now, wait a minute, Brother Donnie. Once I get the Holy Ghost, my mistakes are over, auntie. Who told you that lie? I said, who told you that lie? Because that's what that is. Your body ain't got the Holy Ghost and ain't never going to get it. That's why this old stinking thing's got to be changed. Private interview. Sister Georgie Bruce. Sister Bruce says, I make so many mistakes and I fail so many times. Brother Branham now responding. That's why Christ had to die so that you with your mistakes wouldn't be lauded to you. See, he took your mistakes. Your desire in your heart is to serve him. Sister Bruce says, yes. All right, that's what he died for so you could serve him. Your mistakes are not lauded to you. He's your perpetuation. He's your sin offering. Your sins are not known. You're not a sinner before God. Christ took your sins and became you because your desire is to serve him. Now listen at her. Sister Bruce says, but I've never had an experience that I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. That I, notice what she says, that I could put my foot on. Now listen at his answer. All right, notice ordinarily a human being is born in sin, shaping iniquity, come to the world, speaking lies. That's the nature of a human being. Sister Bruce says yes. That was your nature. It changed once. But what changed it? She responds, Christ. There you are, sister. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath eternal life and shall not come into the judgment, but hath passed tense, passed from death unto life. St. John 5, 24, Jesus speaking. You're a Christian, Sister Bruce. I've watched your life. I've watched you under vision. And I know you are a Christian. But as far as the way Sister Bruce is looking at it, apparently she's not had the type of experience that maybe she was taught, maybe she had a Pentecostal background, we really don't know, But somehow, something had never happened to her that she was thinking should happen. So she's fighting this battle that I don't have the Holy Ghost. I couldn't have the Holy Ghost because whatever it is she thought was going to happen has never happened to me. And yet the prophet said, I have watched your life. I don't mind telling you if I'd have been sitting there, I'd have asked them where they wanted a new door. You imagine God's prophet looking at your life and say, I have watched your life. You are a Christian. I'd rather him tell me that than I was a preacher or I was a shouter or I was a guitar player. You imagine your life being watched by vision? 
Praise God. He says, I know you're a Christian. See, I'm your shepherd as it was. Sister Bruce says, yes. Somebody to help if there was any doubt in my mind. If I thought there was something wrong with you, I'd tell you, Sister Bruce, I believe that. But if there's anything wrong in your experience, anything between you and God, as far as I know anything about it, Sister Bruce, there's not a thing. There's not a thing. Praise God. So you mean after a person can genuinely receive the Holy Ghost, they can still have questions in their mind whether or not they've got it. Yep. It all depends on what they're looking at and how they're saying, okay, now a person with the Holy Ghost will do this and this and this and this and this. First of all, make sure the requirement that you're setting is a scriptural requirement. Because if Satan cannot convince you one way, he'll try to convince you another If he wants to convince you that you do have the Holy Ghost when you don't, he will lower the standard and bring it down to your level. If you do have it and he wants to convince you that you don't, he will raise the standard so high that absolutely nobody, including your pastor, has got it. So what you want to have your standard is God's Word. And the young people said, was that clear? Question number two. When someone speaks in tongues and an interpretation is given, how are we to know if the person is truly speaking with tongues and how are we to know if a true interpretation is given? Now, that's a good question. It's a tricky question. Not the person. I'm not saying the person was trying to say it tricky now. But it was, it's it's a very good question. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Let's look a little bit about tongues. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Diverse kinds of tongues. So for some, they're given the ability by the Spirit of God to be able to speak in different types of of languages, unlearned languages now. And there are tongues of men and there are tongues of angels. Some, some people would be gifted to be able to speak in tongues of angels and also tongues of men. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So notice then, it's a separate gift in verse 28. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, not one gift of healing, but gifts of healings, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Again, verse 30. Have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And of course, we know the answers to this three-part question is no, no, no. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I would that you all spake with tongues. Now, I realize there's a lot of message people that don't like this verse. But 
I wonder what spirit it would be on us that would not like this verse. This is just as much the Bible as Acts 2.38, right? This is your Bible, right? I would that you all spake with tongues. But notice now, but rather that ye prophesied. Now, why? Because it's a difference in edification. A person who speaks in tongues and what they're speaking is not to be interpreted. They are edifying themselves. So you're alone in your closet at home. You might even come up to the altar here for prayer and you might stand there and speak in tongues and and you're being edified because those of you that's ever done it, you know it is quite an edification to yourself. It's just hard to imagine if you've never experienced it, what, what, what comes with it. But prophecy is not edification to the one speaking, but rather prophecy is an edification to the body. Now watch how Paul says this. Greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Now, remember, we're talking about a church service here. So, if a person is at home and they're praying, they enter into their prayer closet. I love the way Paul says it there also that whenever we're praying and we don't know exactly what to say, that the Spirit can make intercession for us with words which cannot be said. And that word there is articulated. So it's words that you yourself don't know. I know people would laugh at us for saying we believe in speaking in tongues because in one way, it doesn't make any sense. Because you are speaking a language that you yourself do not know. Now, I hope hope you don't think I'm weird and crazy tonight. But actually, the Spirit of God is anointing you, and it is bypassing your brain. It's not running those words through your brain. Because your brain does not know those words. It has not been established in your memory the way English has. So the Spirit of God is tapping straight into you and using your mouth and you are saying things you don't even know what it is. You you don't know the pronunciation. You don't even know the meaning. You know nothing about it. And the Spirit of God is using you to do that. You remember the story Brother Random talking about being in the hotel room? And he said Billy had come to get him and it's before service, and he said he was down praying, and he heard somebody speaking in a foreign language. And he said he thought, my, listen at that guy. And he said he thought it was German or something. He didn't know exactly what it was. And it was going so fast, but it was like it was outside the door of the hotel room where he was. And he said, what is that guy doing? And he said, then he realized it was him. He was the one speaking. 
Well, after it happened and the Spirit of God, he just spoke in tongues and spoke in tongues for however long. And then Billy come back knocking on the door and Brother Bram said he jumped up and got ready. Why well, he said he felt like he could leap through a troop and, you know, jump over a wall. It, it, it's just hard to explain if you've never experienced it, what it does to you. Come to find out there was a woman on the way to the meeting and a 35 Chevrolet, if my memory serves me right, I wasn't thinking about remembering this quote, but she was on the way to the meeting, her husband maybe and someone else had brought her and she was hemorrhaging, bleeding. She started bleeding to death in the back seat of this car. So they pulled the car off on the side of the road, got the woman out of the side of the road and she was laying there dying. And Brother Bram said what happened was the angel of the Lord come into the hotel room and began to intercede through Brother Branham praying. But he didn't even know what was going on. So it was the angel of God. Now I wonder why that angel didn't do it himself. They are ministers, not so much, oh hallelujah, intercessors. But we are. So this woman needed a miracle. And the angel of God knew the state that woman was in. And here he found a servant down praying. And the angel of God comes in this hotel room and begins to anoint Brother Branham. And he's speaking in a language that he never learned before. And the angel of God was interceding through his lips. And Brother Branham was acting out the part of a priest and praying in another language. And when he went to church that night, that woman jumped up, started testifying. They said, what time was that? What time did it happen? And they timed it. It was exactly the same time that happened in the hotel room. So the Spirit of God started using this. Now remember, them tongues was not to be interpreted. Does everybody that speaks in tongues mean that it's the Lord? Of course not. Does it mean that everybody that speaks in tongues will speak a fluent language? It does not. As a matter of fact, they may not say any more than one word like this. Seek them, seek them, seek them. Y'all ever heard Brother Brandon refer to that? Okay, I'll read it to you in a moment. Now, Paul says, now, brethren, I come to you speaking with the tongues, what shall I profit you? Except by revelation or doctrine or prophesying. Notice in verse 18, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, I wonder how many message preachers would make Paul a Pentecostal. Well, do we think we're more spiritual than him? Notice in verse 19, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my, my voice, I might teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Wow, how could that even equate? Five words with understanding would mean more to you as a body 
than if I stood here tonight and the Spirit of God moved on me and I started speaking in tongues and I spoke 10,000 words by the Spirit of God anointing me to do it. And y'all would sit there and sit there. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Wasn't that wonderful, wasn't that wonderful? What'd he say? I don't have a clue. Any of y'all know what he said? You come to me, Brother Donnie, you know what you said? I don't. So we just leave and say, wow, wow, wasn't that something? But you see, five words with understanding has more value than 10,000 even supernaturally spoken in tongues. You understand? Notice in verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say, you are mad, which is crazy? Now remember, he's not saying it's not the Spirit of God. So say every one of us would come in Sunday morning. Everybody in here starts speaking in tongues and would have visitors and they'd say, what in the world? Brother Louis would get up to start leading the singing. He couldn't even lead the singing for speaking in tongues. Brother Harry would go to help him. He couldn't even sing for speaking in tongues. Then one of your sisters would get up for a special and you get up and there you go in tongues. The next person speaking in tongues. Brother Louis said, Brother Donnie, here he goes, speaking in tongues. Then I walk out. I speak in tongues for an hour. Then we have somebody to close in prayer. They close in prayer, speaking in tongues. And there's visitors sitting here, and they're going to say, that church is absolute nuts. I've never heard such in my life. You want to know one reason why Pentecost made such a name for themselves? Because of such stuff as that. And they blamed it on God. Don't blame Babylon on God. God is not the author of confusion. And that's what that is. Now notice, what's how Paul differentiates between speaking in tongues. And he said, will they not say that you're all mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all and judged of all. Now wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. So if a person comes in and you stand up and prophesy and you and you and you and you and you and then people that don't even believe in that and they're going to say, my goodness, my goodness, God's in that place just by prophesying. Okay, so apparently prophecy then is going to say something that's going to reveal something about that individual. You see, there's a lot of things that are said and done that are classified as prophecy that are not prophecy at all because it reveals nothing. Now listen. What prophecy will do, verse 25, thus are the secrets of his heart made Manifest. Now, speaking in tongues won't do that. But if Brother Jonathan speaks in tongues and, and Brother Paul would stand up and, and interpret those tongues and it would be prophecy, then it could go back in a person's life and say, you stole so-and-so, you done so-and-so, you went to the doctor yesterday and then the doctor said, you've got cancer. If you don't make that right with God, you're going to die. That's true tongues and interpretation. 
True tongues and interpretation does not, listen carefully, stand up and just repeat Scripture. It does not say over and over and over again, the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. I sit there and question me all you want to, but I've got them quotes laying right in front of me. I'm going to give them to you. <laughs> now watch in verse 27. Let any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three. And that by course, and let one interpret. Verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. And everybody said, now remember the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So we judge our emotions. We would even judge if tongues would come upon you and you would feel it so strong and yet you cannot interpret and there's not an interpreter in the church, you will judge that feeling and that anointing that's on you and say, according to the word of God, I'm not supposed to interrupt this service and I'm not supposed to speak in tongues unless there is an interpreter. But you see what happened in Pentecost was that they said, well, I'm gonna obey the Lord. The anointing is here and I'm gonna do it. I know the word says that, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Ah, then you see, we opened the first doorway for a demon spirit. Maybe I'll read it to you before we're done with this. Brother Bram tells us in Question and Answers 1961 about all tongues not being from God. And he says, a person could be baptized into the devil's power and speak in tongues and prophesy. Wow. Baptized into the devil's power. Now, let me read the question again. When someone speaks in tongues and an interpretation is given, how are we to know the person is truly speaking in tongues? Now, watch this, God being misunderstood. He says, now, someone's speaking in tongues and another gets up to interpret the tongues. Listen close. Uh, this is being taped. An interpretation of tongues, now, I'm going to have to get down to some doctrine in this. In the interpretation of tongues, many people interpretate tongues interpret tongues rather, by an extraordinary expression of them feeling to say such a thing. That is not interpretation. Now, I'm a weird message preacher, okay? I'm strange. I believe Brother Branham not only came to correct us on water baptism, on holiness, on election, predestination, I believe he come to correct us on gifts. Now, I am weird in that sense because there's some message brothers that don't think Brother Branham had a very good understanding on the gifts. So they revert back to 1906 use of the gifts. But I'm not going to be judged by 1906. I'm going to be judged by this word right here that we have. Now listen how he says this. So in interpretation of tongues, many people interpret tongues by an extraordinary, listen to these words. Now remember, this is a, a, a man with a seventh grade education. 
Listen to his terminology. An extraordinary expression of them feeling, feeling to say such a thing. That is not interpretation. Now let's let a prophet tell us what interpretation really is. Interpretation is when they are speaking in an unknown tongue. You are hearing them in English. Wow. So I wonder how many true interpreters there really are. So every person then that claims to have the gift of interpretation of tongues, if they do not hear that language in English, they are not an interpreter. They are feeling an extraordinary something. That is not interpretation. Man, this is good, ain't it? It ain't. (laughs) Notice now, as I said, I'm one of them weird message preachers that I believe that we needed the 1906 trash that messed up the gifts, cleaned out, and would have the real gifts. I would really myself like to see the real gifts because to be honest with you, I'm not sure how many real ones I ever have seen. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. Y'all ain't only just going to be quiet on me. I'm going to be deep fried after this tonight. Now notice he said, I'm your father in the gospel. You don't want, now listen, you don't want a wrong spirit. You mean the devil would try to come in and convince people that they're using a gift of the Spirit when it's actually an evil spirit. How are we going to know, Brother Donnie? We'll judge it by the word of the hour. Now, why take a substitute when there's a whole Pentecostal sky full of the real? Why eat in a garbage can when there's a fine, big, clean table set there with chicken and dumplings? Now, I want you to notice he's comparing a false gift eating out of a garbage can to a true gift eating chicken and dumplings. Now, if you don't like chicken and dumplings, of course, this quote don't mean nothing to you. But for those of us people who like chicken and dumplings, man, we're smacking our lips. So why would we want a wrong spirit? But people get in their mind, oh, if we teach that, if we teach that, it'll bind the spirit. If teaching this word of God will bind the spirit, I'll tell you one thing, it's the wrong spirit. If we do what he taught, my goodness, why in the world would we study hundreds and hundreds of quotes to prove we need the gifts and preach hundreds and hundreds of quotes to prove we've got a right to a Pentecostal experience and then not go right back to the same message and prove how we're supposed to use them. It don't make a lick of sense to me. Can I go on a few more minutes? Now watch, here's an interpreter. Now I can stand up. Now watch this example, absolutely beautiful example. I only know two or three words in a different language that I know of. Now I'm going to say this one literal, not spiritual. Now watch what he's going to do. He's going to say some words in another language. This is not him speaking in tongues, but he's going to say some words in Afrikaans. 
I'm going to say, Bayai, Bayai, Bly, aka Will Africans, Sprechen. I doubt whether there's a person here that knows what I said. Yeah, brother, what did I say? So there happened to be a brother that was there in the meeting. Afrikaans, Bayai, Bayai, Bly, I am very, very happy. I'm here to speak Afrikaans, Afrikaans speaking. I am here to speak Afrikaans. When I read this, I thought it was absolutely awesome that God worked it out, but there was a man there that could be able to speak a foreign language. So here is an example of an interpreter. So if someone jumps up and speaks in tongues and they say three or four words in tongues, and then someone jumps up and they're supposedly interpreting those tongues, and their interpretation has about 50 or 75 words. And that person spoke in tongues and said five. Now I realize some languages are different. I don't, I don't know Spanish. There's just a few words I know in Spanish. Taco, chimichanga, you know, burrito. Oh, y'all know them too. <clears throat> but from what I'm told, Spanish can be a much more descriptive language than English. Having preached with Brother George Smith and Brother Danny some, uh, you know, I, I've heard them and I would say, say three or four words and they might say five or six because the Spanish language is a little bit more descriptive and it would take a few more words to say the same thing as we would in English. But whenever you see someone then that is speaking eight or 10 words and then the interpreter stands up and goes on and on and on and on, something is wrong somewhere. Let me tell you where that come from. Carryover from 1906. Now I realize some of the brothers in the message and they say it this way. Well, poor Brother Donnie, you know, he come from Pentecost and it's really scarred him. And, and that, that's why he's scared of this. No, that's absolutely wrong. And I think sometimes some of these preachers forget that God also talks to me. As a matter of fact, I heard two of my friends not long ago in another realm. And I heard them sitting, talking about me. And I heard the words they said. Ah, and the words I just told you was some of what they said. I heard them. So you see, it's not because I come from Pentecost. I'm not basing this on Pentecost. I'm basing this on the teaching of the message of the hour that we say we follow. Now, I don't just say we say it. I say we believe it. It's not to take from us. It's to keep us from evil spirits. Oh, my. Now, notice he said, now, what did he do? I was speaking in Afrikaans. He heard me in English. Is that right? Because you know Afrikaans. If you're speaking in an unknown tongue and interpreting, you're hearing in the language that you were born in because that's the only way you can interpret what they're saying because the Holy Spirit has interpreted it to you. You're just speaking for the Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing. What an awesome thing. Wouldn't it be awesome to have these things in reality among us, the real ones, that the Holy Ghost, this ain't just for preachers, that the Spirit of God could take a man or woman or boy or girl that'd be so submitted to God, the Holy Ghost would take their mouths and speak a language out of them that they never heard. 
And the same spirit of God can move on another young person and they would stand up and give exactly the interpretation. How am I gonna know if it's the Lord or not, Brother Donnie? How shall I know if I'm an interpreter or not? You'll judge by this. So if someone speaks in another language and they're talking in Aramaic, they're talking in Hebrew, but you hear it in English just as plain as what I'm speaking to you tonight, then you know you've got a gift of interpretation. Praise the Lord. Like a precious old brother gone on. He's in glory tonight. And I I really believe that dearest old soul that I know, Brother Ryan, all of us know him. And he used to stand on the street. God forgive me not to be sacrilegious. I know it's a blaspheme and the Holy Ghost is unpardonable. But Brother Ryan used to say one word over and over all the time. Something about seek him and seek him and seek him or something like that. While somebody said, do you think that's of God? I said, certainly it's of God. Certainly, I believe it's of God. He was speaking in tongues, but I couldn't say what he's saying because I don't know. But the presence of the Spirit was there. So if the presence of the Spirit is there and this person saying one word over and over again and this one jumps up and tries to give an interpretation yet don't know what he's saying, if this man is not giving the interpretation, he's prophesying. But the Spirit prophesying upon him, he's not giving an interpretation. Notice again, it's the Spirit of God giving a message to the church. Interpretation. It's got to be understood in English and repeat back exactly what the person said. That's the gift of interpretation. It's not someone standing up. Well, I feel led that the interpretation is this, 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 and this. But did you hear it in English? Praise the Lord. Adoption. Now, I want you to notice God's thinking is so phenomenal. If you speak with tongues and it's just some repeating of Scripture, God said don't use vain repetition. It's a message directly to somebody. Now, a preacher is called to preach And if I get up here and preach and all the rest of the ministers here in our church, and every service I would tell you, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. I'm called of God to do that. But God is not going to use tongues and interpretation to do that. Not according to the message. Now, what we have to do then is judge what we believe by the message of the hour that we say we believe and let the gifts pass through not 1906 but let them pass from the book of Acts right down through the message of the hour and anybody here tonight or anybody will hear this and I know there's going to be preachers that's going to listen to it so any of you preachers you show me in the book of Acts where they stood up and tongues and interpretation of tongues and said the Lord is coming the rapture is at hand or something like that, or repeating scripture. And I'll apologize, next question answers. Of course, you can't do that, can you? Now watch how he goes on with this in the adoption. So speaking in tongues and interpretation, watch how he brings it actually to be discernment in the body. God don't use vain repetition, but it'll be a message 
directly to somebody. Ask me one time, put your finger one time that the Holy Spirit ever under discernment told somebody, repeated a scripture over and over. It told him something that was wrong and then something that they had done, something they must do, something had to happen or something like that. So, now listen, is speaking in tongues and interpretation. Now you see, God knew that there would be major prophets that would come on the earth and they would only be here for so long and he would take them off the earth. But God wanted to have gifts in the church even when that prophet was gone to where those gifts would be able to do that very same work. So in any of your tape listening, have you ever found Brother Branham call somebody out and just quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture? Now he actually likens tongues and interpretation to the very same discernment that God is having him to do. This isn't your message. I've got these if you'd like to read them. He says, so speaking in tongues and interpretation. If there's one in the church that speaks with tongues let another interpret, let's say this. If Brother Neville would raise up and speak in tongues and this brother here give an interpretation, tell this man here. Now watch the examples of the messenger. Tell this man here that yesterday he went out and done something wrong. Now, the doctor told him today he had cancer. Go make that right. Come back here and get right with God. The man say, truly, that's the truth. God is with you. So you mean to tell me that tongues and interpretation would be something like this, that Brother Jonathan might speak in tongues, Brother Rob might interpret. And the Spirit of God would turn around by the interpreter and point his finger at you and say, you lied yesterday. You done this and you done that. And the spirit of God fell on your heart. And you say, Lord God, Lord God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Why? That's what the prophet done. And this is the way he applied tongues and interpretation. Why would we want to settle for a substitute out of a garbage can that tells nothing in the future? does not unveil sins in people's lives, but repeats scripture. I heard it all my life in Pentecost. Nothing ever future, nothing ever direct. Yeah, the Lord love you. Well, I reckon any of us could stand up and say that, couldn't we? I, the Lord, say I'm coming. You know, it's dark out there. Well, it sure is, ain't it? You're in a great hour. We are, ain't we? You don't say nothing. Brother Branham said they told him after he set the church in order. Said, Brother Branham, you put us on the spot by saying that. He said, you think I ain't on the spot in front of thousands of people? Tell them their name, their address, what house they live in, three steps going up to your house, 3905 Brown Street. You went to a doctor, heavy set, wore glasses, a balding in the top of his head. He told you day before yesterday you had so-and-so-and-so. But he said, if it's God, it'll never fail. Praise the Lord. But you see, we want to operate our gifts in the comfortable zone. Oh, oh, the Lord shows me. 
There's somebody here tonight that's got a pain. Now, I can't pick it up yet, if it's, but it's somewhere from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Maybe if I get closer to you, I'll be able to figure it out. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. No, no, it's somebody streaming, that's what it is. It ain't ain't actually. And we call that a gift. That's a clown. Brother Donnie, you shouldn't say that. Oh, yes, I should. I am not afraid to identify something like that as an imposter. I watched a Pentecostal preacher that I worked with. And a television crew come to film us. And I watched them speak to him and tell him, you need to start calling people out. And you need to tell people things. And you don't have to get very, very close. Just tell them things in general. It'll help your crowd and it'll help your offering. I watched that man as he started manipulating that. And I watched as it increased in intensity where he went because people heard about it and their expectation got higher and higher and higher. I'll tell you, friends, when the gospel comes to that spot, I'll step down. I'll quit preaching. When it comes to where that we have to make the gospel a show. That's not what I'm here for you. I'm here for the reality of God. We've got a table full of chicken and dumplings and all the rest of the good things of God. Why would we settle for something less? Can I have a few more minutes? I know I'm going a little bit over. And church order says, whatever Brother Collins speaks, Brother Hickerson gives up and gives an, exa- gives an interpretation. Now, here we have the prophet giving us examples. An example, let brother so-and-so write this down. Now, we all know the Lord is coming. We're aware of that. And if brother Neville got up and preached each night, got up each night and said, behold, the Lord is coming. Behold, the Lord is coming. That would be all right. But he's the pastor at the platform. He's got the word for that. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, which is prophecy, or a prophet speaking, that's something not written in the Word. Wow. What's written in the Word, he's to bring it. But what's not written in the Word is what you're to tell him. For instance, tell Brother Wheeler, thus saith the Lord tomorrow in the sand pit, not to go down to it because there'll be a truck turn over. It'll be something like that. It's got to be done. And you spoke it. He interpreted. Then lay it on the platform after your ministry is finished. Now listen why I wanted this to be this way. In this day when there's been so much confusion about it and it causes a stumbling block. Let one speak in tongues, another interpret and give the message and let it be read right off at the platform of what's going to take place and let it happen. You see what happens. Tell them tomorrow at a certain time or next week at a certain time there's going to be a certain thing. Let the unbeliever sit there and listen to that and see it before it happens. Foretold by the Spirit of God, it's going to happen. They'll know what kind of spirit it is among you. Can I read one more? 
Got a few nods. Now, I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in interpretation. But it... Now, do we believe these musts are actually musts? Y'all believe that they're musts? I do too. Lord, help us. It must be something directly to the church. Not, not the Lord is coming soon or something which is all right. Don't use vain reputation. So you see when people are doing that, they're breaking the scripture by doing it. They're doing exactly what Jesus said. Don't do That's not what tongues and interpretation is. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what these ministers are supposed to do. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. Everybody get ready. Get ready. Get ready. And then God is going to speak in tongues and give interpretation in the form of prophecy and going to stand up and tell you the same thing that I just got done telling you. Either one of two things, friends. We're going to have to acknowledge that we do not believe the prophet's teaching on the gifts or we're going to have to acknowledge we have been wrong. It ain't never been too hard for me to admit I've been wrong since I've been wrong most of my life. I've run into a lot of Christians that can't say they're sorry. I've probably said that as much as I've said Jesus or a lot of other things is common terms to me because I've been so sorry and so wrong. And I figure I'll continue to say it probably five minutes before I'm changed. I'm so sorry. But I'm so glad I can say I'm sorry. Aren't you? Aren't you glad you can say, I have been wrong? So let's bring it back to the first question. The spirit of truth will acknowledge these quotes, and believe me, this is only a small handful. I woke up day before yesterday about 4 o'clock. I laid there for 10, 15 minutes, something like that. I knew I wasn't going to be able to go back to sleep. So I eased up real easy, got out of the bed, went and got dressed and everything, went out and got my laptop and starting to answer some of these questions. And I sat there in, in, in the room by myself and I felt the presence of the Lord come near and my heart was so heavy thinking about this night and thinking that there'll be an element of people that'll get mad at me. Mm. And some that'll cut me off. And some say, Brother Donnie, don't believe in the move of God. Well, let me tell you something. That is a lie. I do believe in the move of God. But it is the move of God I want. I don't want my people fed out of a garbage can. Whether I'm preaching or somebody else is preaching to you, I want you fed chicken and dumplings, ham, meat, steak, Big Mac, whatever it is you like, you know, whatever it is you need. I don't want you having to go down the garbage can of Pentecost and merging it with Acts 2 and try to push that down my throat and say, this is the bride's revival. No, it ain't. Because it don't line up with what the prophet taught us. I want a bride's revival. Don't you? I want a bride's revival. But a bride's revival is not going to lead me back to what I came out of. I left that because it made me sick to my stomach. Why would I want to go back to it? But you realize some of the message preachers were not in Pentecost. 
And let me be honest with you from my heart and I'll close. I used to despise my years of being in Pentecost. I used to hate it. And I thought, God, why did you leave me in that mess? I wasted years of my life. But as I went on, I began to realize he had a reason for letting me come through there. So I'd be able to recognize and see whenever some of the same Pentecostal stuff would start coming right inside of our message. And some of the brothers have not been there, so they don't recognize it. But I'd be able to look by the grace of God and say, no, 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 no. That, that's, what, that's what we had back there. And what did it lead to? Carnal impersonation, false prophecies. Why did Brother Branham even have to set in order his own church? Because he said they were saying things that never come to pass. And then what will it produce? This one speaks in tongues. And it will, it will compel people to stand and give a prophecy or an interpretation, even if it's wrong. Because if not, that person will have to be corrected and say, look, brother, sister, don't speak in tongues again unless there's an interpreter. Boy, that really makes folks mad when you do that. Believe me, I've had to do it before. So what will we do? We will be compelled to perform. God help us. No, no. Brother Donnie, would you, want, would you welcome the gifts in our church? It's all of my heart. But I want the real ones. Would I welcome tongues, interpretation? Would I welcome? Yes, I would. I would. God's prophet said, Ananias and Sapphira will return to the church. Remember, Peter was not a prophet. And when they walked before him, God revealed to him by the Holy Ghost what they had done, and they dropped dead. You're talking about getting people right with God. If we had that in our own assembly, and people come in and say, whoa, whoa, be careful now, be careful. I ain't talking about hitting and missing. I ain't talking about saying things in generalities when even if you miss, people can't tell it. I'm talking about being so precise. Tell Brother Wheeler not to go to the sand pit. That's the kind of God I serve. Let's stand. Well, after tonight, y'all may not want no more question and answers. Huh? <laughs> God bless you, young people. I love you so much. If the Lord tarries, there's no way for us to know how long will this go on. Will there be another generation? I, I don't see how there could be. But if there was, some of you brothers will be the deacons. Some of you brothers will be the preachers, the pastors. You'll be the ones that'll be standing up here and I'll be sitting on the front row maybe like Brother Benton, an old man. We don't want to turn our church over and the carrying on of the message to a group of people that say, oh, we don't need that no more. Oh, that's old-fashioned. We want it to carry on, don't we, to the coming of the Lord Jesus. How many like to be remembered tonight as we pray? Heavenly Father, as we stand before you tonight, Lord, and I thank you for these young people, Lord God. I thank you for these questions. They've asked some awesome questions, Lord. Lord, I, I just pray that you would help each of us, Father, that we would be able to listen with an open heart. And as I said, I've had 
these here were some of the first ones that I got probably five, six weeks ago. And some I got just a few weeks ago, and they're tremendous questions. And I'm studying on them, the inspiration, the Spirit of God, oh Lord, just made them so real, and I, I thank you for it. Dear God, we want to be right. Lord, we're not gathered here tonight to be deceived. We've not come here tonight hoping that some evil spirit would get on us. We want your spirit. We want the spirit of truth. So how can we tell if we got the Holy Ghost? Because the spirit in us will line us up with the teaching of the hour. And it won't cut in and cut out. Well, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like that. That's not the Holy Ghost. Father, help us that we will align our faith, our thoughts, our ideology, our doctrine with the Word of God through the teaching of the message of the hour. Lord, you know my heart. I want a revival among us. I want real, genuine move of God. I say it before you tonight and those that will hear it. Pour out your gifts among us, Lord. But I want the real. I want the genuine. I don't want it to be as I've seen before and even seen it, some of the message where it hits and misses and hits and misses. I don't want a hit and a miss. We want the genuine. You don't hit and miss, Lord. You hit every time. Help us, Lord God. I wonder, Lord, if there won't be that short, quick something that'll come upon the earth. Oh, Father, may we be able to be ready for it, I pray in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Don't let it pass before us, Father. But we want to be sure. And you don't get angry when we judge things by the word. Matter of fact, your prophet tells us them Ephesian Christians, they judged them apostles and they went, stood right in their face and told them and called them liars. And the prophet said, wow, that is so bold. How could they do that? They told them to their face, you are liars because you're not saying what the prophet said. Help us to realize The Spirit of God will always agree with the Word. And the Spirit of God can always try the Word, and the Word don't get nervous, because it will say amen to every Word of God. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We praise you tonight, Father. If there's one here, Lord, that don't have the Holy Ghost, oh, Jesus, may you pass through this building again like you did last night, Father. Maybe there's some young people here and they're struggling with this or that or the other. May the presence of God come through this way, Lord. Maybe they're dealing with a besetting sin or something, Lord, that's really pulling on them and they're fighting a battle and maybe they're not winning every day. Maybe they're losing some. But may you help them, Jesus. Oh, grant it, I pray, Father. May the angels of God, which are here present, pass through this place tonight. Granted, I pray, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we open our hearts to you, our souls.
come by here, Lord. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Heal the sick. Straighten out any error in our lives, oh Father. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever you have need of right now, young people, raise your hands there in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're a healer. You're a deliverer. Hallelujah. You're a cancer killer. You're a demon destroyer. You're a mighty God. You're an error corrector. Lord God, if you see anything in me that displeases you, reveal it to me, Father. While I'm in your presence right now, Lord God, come near me. I've got an error in my teaching, an error in my doctrine, an error in my life. Anything about me that displeases you, show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Hallelujah. In your own way, young people, are you willing to say the same thing before him tonight? Lord, if I believe something wrong, show me. If I'm doing something wrong, if, if it's music, then I'm listening to it. If I'm reading some books, I shouldn't. If I'm looking at movies, Lord, that a Christian should not look at. Deal with me, Lord. Show me. Show me. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your holy name, Father. Brother Joe. So thankful for that. Thinking the Holy Ghost, you know, was something that I dealt with in my life for, for many years as a young young man, wondering if I had the Holy Ghost. And I remember I went to my uncle one time and just and I asked him, I said, How is the devil would beat me down with it? How did how do I know I had the Holy Ghost? And I'll never forget his answer. He just said, what is your heart's desire? Oh, what's your heart's desire? Are those desires matching God's? It's not complicated. We complicate it. That's the devil. The devil's going to complicate it for you. If you remember many years ago, I, I we did question and answers on the Holy Ghost, and I a brother asked, I said, Brother Zach, you want some cookies? What do you do if you at home and you want cookies? He said, I go get them because they're free. The Holy Ghost is a free gift. The, brother, the Bible says it's freely given. God wants to give it to you more than you want it. And that's the, we, we look at it and in the life that we live in, in Laodicea and the age that we're in, how it's going crazy. It's, and the, the devil is, is so trying so hard to get you your mind on so many things. Social media, the, the things that you go to school, the things at work, people pulling you this way, pulling you that way, getting into this group, into that group. Everything he can do to keep you off one thing, and that one thing is the Holy Ghost. That's it. But it, as we hear tonight, you know, it's God's life in you. 
So if you, you, you don't have the Holy Ghost and you want the Holy Ghost tonight, we'll pray with you. We'll stay here as long as you want to stay. We'll pray with you as long as you want to pray. But if devil has put it in your mind, I don't have it yet. I suggest you not leave here till God settles that for you. And it's, it's one of the, it's, it, it's not, you know, growing up, you know, I, I, I'd come up and I, I'd see guys that I looked up to. I wanted to be like that guy. And I see him come up and pray and, 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 and beat the altar. And for two weeks, they're front row. Within three weeks, they're missing church again, running out drinking, listening to rock and roll. Two months later, they're back, back and forth, back and forth. The Holy Ghost won't pull you in and out. Holy Ghost will pull you in to keep you. You'll never, if you get the Holy Ghost, you'll never want to go back out. You'll not want anything. This word will mean more to you than anything, any greater best car, best clothes, anything you would ever want. Once you get that Holy Ghost, there's nothing that means more to you than living this word. Because it's not you anyways, it's, it's him. We're going to let Brother Jesse sing some songs. You want to come up and pray? We'll pray with you. Myself, Brother Rob, Brother Donnie, Brother Jonathan, we'll, we'll pray for you. You want the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is here. If you leave without it, it's not because God didn't give it to you. God bless you. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of ten thousand. Make me a reflection of your light. Oh, day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your words be Show me what I've never seen before. Oh, Lord, I want to be a witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Make it right. Shine down on me, let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I see a world that's dying, wounded by the master of deceit. 
They're groping in the darkness Haunted by the years of past defeat But then I see you standing near me Shining with compassion in your eyes In your eyes Peace are shine down on me Let your love shine through me in the night
cup there But the pure in heart It's a highway to heaven Walking up the King's Highway If you're not walking Start while I'm talking Walking up the King's Highway There'll be a blessing You'll be possessing Walking up the King's Highway It's a highway to heaven None can walk up there But the pure in heart It's a highway to heaven Walking up the King's Highway This time we're going to dismiss and just go in the fear of the Lord If you feel you need to stay and pray Go right ahead and do that. But uh, for the rest of us, if you feel like you're ready to go, we'll just be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. It's a highway to heaven. None can walk up there. But the pure in heart, it's a highway to Don't have to worry, don't have to hurry, walking up the King's Highway. Christ walks beside me, angels to guide me, walking up the Pure